Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I am the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And welcome back, everyone, to the podcast for this week leading up to Sunday, September 18th. This is uh, going to be proper 20 in year C. We've only got two months of ordinary time left, right? So yes. like eight weeks-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're excited to be back with you. I'm excited to be back say, with you. And welcome back, David Tremaine. You took a vacation. Yes, I was gone. We were in Kansas City, which was so fun, uh, visiting Mary Lynn's family. Uh, and so that was great. And I am so thankful for Hannah for being, uh, for taking my place. We had a good uh, time. Co-hosting the podcast. And thank you all for, again, for joining us. Uh, before we get into our gospel discussion, I am going to share a God sighting. That's right. Which we do every week. David, where did you see God moving in this world? Um, I had a feeling of God's movement just this past week, actually, really like a few days ago. Um, just like in the transition time from coming back, you know, cause we're traveling with like a four year old and an 18 month mm-hmm. old, which is exhausting and courageous and courageous. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like, it was like Saturday night we got back and we'd been gone for like, you know, 11 days and which is like vacation, but also so tiring Mm -hmm. you know because like we're outside of our like regular rhythm of life where we have like you know childcare and we're working and george is in school and things like that and like school is out and so we were traveling and which was amazing and tiring and then we like have this exhausting experience of flying back and then like sunday comes and maryland's right back at church sunday morning um and then like monday morning like our first like time or our our childcare is back in action, <laughs> you know, and we like Marilyn and I drive to St. Andrews where I was going to do some work for that day. And we had this like great conversation, um, about something that we had about an interaction that we had had. And just like, I think like just all of the emotions and like the exhaustion mm-hmm. and just like, so, and like the content of our conversation, which was like so good and hard, like all kind of washed over me. And I just had this like great 15 minute cry on Monday morning. And like it just opened up so much space for me during the rest of the day and like created like the interior environment for just like so much more compassion for myself and gratitude for whatever was happening. And like in moments of the day where usually I'd be like worrying about something or being anxious about like not being productive or like you know, just like being okay with whatever was happening. It was really incredible. So yeah. it'd be good to c- just, you know, have a good cry every morning. That's a good spiritual practice. Well, and interestingly, I'm not sure if you listened to the podcast from last week with Hannah and I, but we actually talked about crying last week too. There you go. Right. And how it is, it is just one of the ways when our emotions get big that, you mm-hmm. know, that they, we release them Yeah, and that it's often discounted as a very healthy way to process emotion and it actually creates space yes so much so much space and like like transforms it feels like transforms all those emotions into like yeah spaciousness energy for more things you know to come 
And so, yeah, so that was just so good. And I've, it's just, I've like just recently, I feel this as God's movement too, is just like, I do feel like closer to crying <laughs> all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that might sound like it's really sad, but it's actually not. It feels like I'm closer to my reality, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, of life and more connected to myself and the world because it's sad, mm-hmm. it's sad in the world, you know, it's sad and, and it's, and it's beautiful, you know, it's like so much more complicated than. I think are just kind of um, like Western American niceties. We want to make it so everything is great and it's just not great and that's okay. Yeah. Like just, let's just cry more. So anyway, that's where I felt God this week. I love that. And we would love to hear where you felt God or saw God's uh, movement or where it was hard to feel God's movement, Mm -hmm. uh, a consolation or a desolation in your life this week. Uh, Maybe it's because you are extremely hot and you don't have any (laughs) air conditioning. Because that would be really hard. That is our lived reality yeah, in San Diego. Yeah, it is extremely hot. Um, but anyway, we would love to hear from you. You can always email us. You can call us and leave a voicemail or send a text message. You can contact us through Instagram, direct message, or follow us on Instagram. Uh, and you can also contact us through the myfaith2go.org website, where you can also find all those faith to go resources to help you with your personal reflection or discussion this week. So... We'd love to hear from you, anything about your ministry context, any questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion or reflection, or any of your God sightings from the week. And now we're going to move into our gospel discussion for this upcoming Sunday, again, September 18th, proper 20 in year C. Charlotte's going to read it, and then I'll give some context, and then we'll each share a point. So the gospel reading is Luke 16, verses 1 through 13, and Charlotte's reading the Common English Bible translation. Jesus also said to the disciples, A certain rich man heard that his household manager was wasting his estate. He called the manager in and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give me a report of your administration because you can no longer serve as my manager. The household manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is firing me as his manager? I'm not strong enough to dig and too proud to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I am removed from my management position, people will welcome me into their houses. One by one, the manager sent for each person who owed his master money. He said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, Nine hundred gallons of olive oil. The manager said to him, Take your contract, sit down quickly, and write four hundred and fifty gallons. Then the manager said to another, How much do you owe? He said, 1,000 bushels of wheat. He said, Take your contract and write 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted cleverly. People who belong to this world are more clever in dealing with their peers than are people who belong to the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to make friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful with little is also faithful with much. And the one who is dishonest with little is also dishonest with much. If you haven't been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you haven't been faithful with someone else's property, who will give you your own? No household servant can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be loyal to one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Mm. It's a great way to end that, that pericope. Yep. Uh, thanks, Charlotte. Uh, what? M- not much to say here, context-wise. You know, we're just like so deep into ordinary time. We know what is happening. 
Jesus is, again, for the thousandth time on his way from Galilee to Jerusalem. (laughs) And so he's just still talking to people along the way, talking to religious leaders, Pharisees, synagogue leaders, people that uh, that are following him. And telling parables. So we're in like an actually like a pretty long stretch of parables here because right uh, before this was the prodigal son, which we don't hear now because we already heard it this lectionary cycle year back in Lent 3, I think it was. We talked to Alex Howard about it. So you can go back and listen to that if you want to hear um, what happens between last week's reading and this week's reading. And then Jesus still telling parables after this. And then he, it's, you know, another couple chapters, I think, until he makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So we got some time. We got some time. Yeah, it's not till the end of 18 that he gets to Jericho, which is right outside of Jerusalem. So he's just making his way. It's a long walk, you know. It is a long walk. Yeah, he couldn't Uber there. I mean, you could today probably. But uh, it's a long way from Galilee to Jerusalem, and he's taking his time, and he's teaching along the way and making stops in all these places. So... That's where we are. Jesus is somewhere between Galilee and Jerusalem uh, talking to his followers. And, you know, there always are some antagonists in there because right after this, he's talking to Pharisees. Mm -hmm. So he's he's talking to people who are following him. And he's also talking to people, uh, to rich people and to powerful people, you know. So it's like there's this whole collection of of diverse people that that he is encountering. So. That's it for now. And Charlotte has the first point. Yes. And when David and I were prepping today, um, we were deciding which version we were going to read because it does use the word slave at the end of this reading in the NRSV translation. And in the common English version, we get to hear instead um, household servant. And in naming that, I actually find this reading challenging sometimes and I was able to experience and live into it in a different way today because of the translation that we picked. And I think that's an invitation to all of us that we probably have a Bible at home, which is the place that we are most comfortable or accustomed, that might be the right word, to reading the scripture. And there is always the invitation to read another translation. In fact, to read multiple translations and to consider how we process the reading based on the different translations that we hear. It's a different way to experience the gospel, just the same way that David and I talk about our points. Reading multiple translations can also give us a different perspective on Mm -hmm. what we're reading, as it did for me today. Um, And one of the ways in which it gave me an opportunity today was that at this first section, Um, It uses the word wasted or wasting, it actually says. A certain rich man heard that his household manager was wasting his estate. And I was thinking about waste in general, whether that's food waste or wasting time or what it means to waste time. Um, And thinking about the estate. And maybe, you know, there's so much in this that is considered in worldly goods and riches. And I know you're going to unpack that further for us. But also thinking of which of how we are the riches in the story or how we are the estate that is named. And if that is the case, the ways in which we waste ourselves. Um, And that isn't me saying that anybody needs to do more, particularly maybe me. Maybe that's my my call to myself that I don't actually need to do more in order to be of value. Um, 
I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but often I do. And instead thinking of how we are wasting our value by saying that we are not enough, by not considering the ways in which we are whole and complete and created as God's image, the way that we are, and we don't need to change anything. We don't need to do anything to earn that. And we certainly don't need to do more in it. And that that is the first thing. If it's so funny, I, none of you that listen to the podcast realize how much I talk with my hands, but I assure you, if you ask David, he will tell you that I talk with my hands all the time. So if you think of yourself as a stone or a pebble and it is thrown into the pond, the ways in which you are wasted then ripple out from that. Everything that you do ripples out from that. And yet that before any ripple can take place, before our effect on our families, our church, our community, our city and our world, None of those other ripples can take place without starting with self. And yet self is the thing that we are most likely to set aside. You and I talked about that earlier. It is the, it is the thing that we are most willing to say does not have value. Mm-hmm. And so we set it aside so that we can focus on all of the other things that come afterwards, thinking that our own inherent good goodness comes from the things that we do afterwards and not that our goodness was there all along. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, by not naming our own goodness, we have wasted it, that we have become that dishonest manager of self um, as a beloved child of God. And if we are being invited to consider the way in which God views that, right, like taking this parable and saying that Jesus could possibly be saying to us in it, you're wasting it. You are wasting your glorious goodness. Everything that is wonderful about you, you have discounted it. You have overlooked it. You have not taken care of it. You have chosen to ignore its needs. You have wasted it. And I think that for me, as I consider that, instead of thinking that God's going to fire me, um, (laughs) I don't think that's actually what's going to happen, but Is it an invitation then to think about how I can choose then to be faithful in my care of it Mm -hmm. and knowing that in the faithfulness of my care of self, that then I create space for the ways in which I interact with my family, my church, my community, my city, the world in a new way. Um, And that therefore, by being faithful in a little, faithful to myself, that then I can become more faithful in much. Yeah, and like being think think about it in terms of like the self, and also just ways that Jesus has talked about love of self and others, and the connection between those. It it's like it is a it is like if we can't um, thinking about being faithful with much is really than being faithful with like our relationships with other people. You mm-hmm. know, it's like when the way that we relate to ourselves directly impacts and influences, and is really mirrored in the ways that we that we interact and can connect with other people. I think often we'll be like nicer to other people than we are to ourselves. But I think that there is a direct correlation to the, the depth of connection we can have with others uh, related to the, how we connect with ourselves. So that like the depth we're willing to go in connection to, to our self and like the depth of ourself and the mystery of who we are 
the more capacity we have to connect on that kind of same depth with other people and hold the mystery of them and hold, you know, compassion for them. So I like that idea that Jesus is when he's saying, you know, <laughs> those are faithful, faithful. With, with, mm-hmm. with little, we trust with little, faithful, faithful with much, we trust with much. Mm-hmm. I think the much is like how much we are willing to, how much of ourselves we're willing to, to like love and, and connect with. And then we'll be able to do that with other people too. Right. So that's, that's, that's nice. Um, and I'm thinking about this in uh, kind of a, on the other s- end of the spectrum of like of interpretation, mm-hmm. I'd say probably like beyond the kind of interior dynamics of this, the, the extreme kind of exterior dynamics of like what it means on a communal level, like and really thinking about wealth, especially the way that he ends it. It's being like you can't love both of these things sorry <laughs> like you can convince yourself that you are but in the end one of them's gonna win mm-hmm. and and in our context whether you're a church or amazon it's money <laughs> like that's just the way that that's just like the air we breathe is capitalism and that's and unless we're like taking steps to be anti-capitalist in our communities we will just become capitalists in everything that we do and the ways we think about things and we just are in our daily lives you know and so we're bringing that to our to our churches as well i think um and so i i like what i when i hear jesus talk about the kingdom of heaven and all these parables are always about that about the kingdom of god kingdom of heaven i hear him describing just like a radically different kind of community that can exist here and now you know, it's not a far off otherworldly kind of like eternal life of the soul. It is something, something now that, that, that can happen on the earth as it exists today. And to me, that's the kind of already and not yet of it. And there's an already and not yet of it that like thinking about wealth, there is an already and not yet of wealth. Because there already is enough wealth for everyone to have what they need, and they do not yet have it. It's not yet distributed in the way that everyone can have what they need, though there already is enough. And so I'm just thinking about this parable as like Jesus, like he's telling this parable as a critique of the system, the like economic system of the world that he was living in. That you know, predates what we would call capitalism, but it's not that far off. I mean, there's like predatory lending. There is no social like safety net for people here, you know? And like, it really is, it really is even like a more of a stark contrast in terms of the wealth gap in this situation, in this place. And especially when his kind of people group is oppressed by this, you know, occupying power that is occupying things for the sake of their own wealth, you know? And so, I think when Jesus is talking about this, like this, this like rich manager and the dishon, the, the rich man, the dishonest manager, it's just, it's just like, uh, it's just a story about the economy. It's a story about what people have to do in order to survive in the world because of how it's currently constructed. And so like you have this rich person who's getting rich, how by other people being indebted to him and having to pay interest on these loans, right? And then you have this manager who like because of because of his kind of 
because the the system creates has though the system creates uh, the conditions for someone to think they have to be completely independent, like is stealing money or whatever he's doing, and then when he gets caught, is <laughs> like going out and like telling himself, I there's like I'm not going to survive by myself. I need to go earn my support of from other people. And this is just, I just think Jesus is describing like hyper-capitalism, essentially, is where we don't, we can't, we like have, we we live in the illusion of our own dependence on our, just ourselves, our independence, complete independence from other people. The fact that like everything we have, we've earned. And the idea that like, if we don't, if if we're not going to take care of ourselves, no one's going to take care of us. And this reality is not that far off from the one we're living in right now. And so I just am thinking of this as just like in our, in our time, like when more and more people are recognizing the fact that capitalism is not working for them, where we're just like all just being like ground down to a nub by the pace of life that is required of us to keep existing in this context. I just imagine this as like a call to churches to be act, like actively anti-capitalist in their practices of how they do things by being able to share money by being able to like, because he's, he's talking about unjust, like dishonest wealth. The, the, the Greek word is unjust. It's, it's the opposite of the word righteous, which is dikaios. So it's adikaios. So it's like, Whenever Jesus, whenever the word is, whenever they're talking about like God's righteousness, this is that word, the opposite of it. It's unjust. It's unjust wealth. And what wealth does the Episcopal Church have other than unjust wealth? Because when we think about the history of, of our institution, it is like wealth that has been gained from the oppression of other people, just historically. That is the root of why we have so much money. And so Jesus is saying like, instead of, pretending like your wealth is just or thinking that you can make it just use your unjust wealth to create a different kind of world, you know, like use it to take care of the people so that there is support for everyone. So I'm just like, I and I don't know how to get to this place, but like, I think we could, I think we can imagine a world where you just have what you need all the time. And the fact that like, it's possible if we're really living into the things that Jesus is asking us to do, to have those conditions in in the real world, that people could really go and be part of the part of a community, part of a church community, where they just know that they're going to be taken care of, that they're going to have enough food, that they're going to have housing, that they're going to have clothing, that they're going to have relationships, and that everyone is going to be equal. And like the fact is that like right now it's just not that and there still is a first and last. And when you go to church, there's still a first and last. And like with like in the context of capitalism, we might go to church and go to up to the communion table and go to Eucharist and say like, oh, look, everyone is gathered at the table. Everyone's equal here. But like it's just not true. It's just not true because you come in for one hour and in that one hour we're telling ourselves that something is true, that the rest of the week is not in lived experience, but we have the power and money and unjust wealth to make that reality true all of the week, I think. And so 
just like imagine that like every single church in the entire world every community that calls every institution that calls itself christian just evenly distributed all of its combined wealth to every single person like everyone would have a lot more than they than they do now and there's just so much time and energy and money going towards helping institutions survive and not helping people survive so that's all i have to say about that you said a lot yeah (laughs) no but it's funny because you said one thing in it i'm just gonna pick out one um you said i don't i don't know where to begin i think that's what you said or i don't even know where to start something along those lines right and i think that there's such an invitation in that that we don't have to know where to begin. Sometimes we just have to pick one thing and do it. Yeah. Right? Like that it's that we get paralyzed by not knowing all of the steps in a process to get us to where we want to go. And so therefore we don't do anything at all. Um and so I guess that, that would be that would be my wondering, you yeah. some godly plain language mm-hmm. there. It's like what one step mm-hmm could you just take right now yep. without knowing what the next one is or what the end result is? What, what one step yeah. could any of us take yeah. right now? Yeah. Cause it's like, if you're going to create something radical, it has to really start with a radical step. Like you're not going to have a logical first step for a radical outcome. And, and I think we're just really paralyzed by a lot of fear and scarcity. The idea that we're going to mess it up if we do something radical, but I have a, I have something to tell you it's messed up <laughs> it's already messed up we cannot possibly make it worse by doing something bold and radically different so if we just keep doing what we're doing we'll just reinforce the messed upness of it <laughs> so we could do that or we could do something different you know and like I'd, I'd like to do something really really crazy in my lifetime with the church because that's like to me the only compelling thing we could do but that's just my personal preference you know so those were our points for today uh point number one with charlotte's uh thinking about ourselves as you know the the estate like you know what how are we how are we uh loving ourselves taking care of ourselves um and how are we you know wasting our time with ourselves not engaging with ourselves and and leaving things on the table and what kind of ripple effect does that have in the world and mine was the anti-capitalist point of the day uh thinking about this as like a critique of our church of who we are and the way we do things um the way we engage with converse in conversations around money and the way that we practice uh the way the 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 way we live out and practice um you know our our wealth so and and hoping for something different like i think jesus was so those are our two points we'd love to hear what you have to say about the gospel because it's a doozy and uh, you can always uh, get in touch with us with any questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion or reflection. You can also let us know about your God sightings. We'd love to hear from you. All those ways of getting in touch with us are listed in the description for this podcast episode. 
Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about proper 21 in year C. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Bye, everybody. everybody.